Blog Talk Radio. My name is Randy Zellia, the owner of Back Sports Page, as well as, I guess, the messiah of sports in that we have uh, with me, as always, I have to build myself up a little bit here, come on, we have the uh, holder of the Sorcerer's Stone, as well as the Jedi Master, the Supreme Leader, he is the one who not only has the Infinity Stones, but he also has the lifesaver to prove it. That is the man behind the microphone, the man behind the pen, and the man behind the mask, the one and only Bill Ingram. <laughs> Bill, how are you? <laughs> Doing well. How are you? <laughs> I just figured I'd take a shot and try something different and give myself a little bit of credit, which I don't really usually do when we do the introductions. So um, <laughs> so much, there's so much goofiness. It doesn't hurt. Throw, throw yourself a bone <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, so, Bill, my friend, before we uh, jump into it, how are you? How is everything going? It reminds me of the scene at the beginning of Rocky Four, where they're saying, you know, uh, the master of disaster, all Apollo Creed's names, and Rocky's like, dude, you got enough nicknames? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, just, I just watching all these... <laughs> the ups and downs of the league uh, and trying to figure out if there are more than two teams that are even relevant uh, as we look at the playoffs. It's always, this is the most interesting time of the year. All the moves that are going to be made have been made. The all-star BS is behind you and we're in the stretch run. And this is when I think even the casual fan is watching the NBA right now. Well, and it's funny you say that too, because last week's show I got some feedback, and a lot of a lot of people sitting there saying, "Man, you guys are on the money," and I'm like, "Yeah, it's not about being on the money with this this type this part of the year. If you look at it, you already pretty much know it's more of like where the upsets are going to come in the playoffs, and who that's the fighting for the positions. Because I think both conferences, with the exception of the eighth spot in the West, which is still reasonably in doubt, like there's five teams, four or five teams fighting for those spot for that last spot no way Dallas or Oklahoma City is going to fall out at this point 
I think that those yeah, two teams Utah. are pretty much yeah. well. You Utah, you, you know what it is with Utah? It's that lack of consistency. I know we're, 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 we're going to talk about Mike Conley in a little bit, but it's just a lack of consistency with with them that's sort of crazy. And I guess maybe we should start there. We we'll start with the Utah Jazz. Look, this was a team that came into the season with Mike Conley at point guard, take, you know, taking over Ricky Rubio. So it's a significant upgrade as far as the talent of a player. Mike Conley, who's had an unbelievable NBA career, guys would kill for that career in the NBA. For sure. The, the career he had with the Grizzlies. And now he's struggling. Like He has not found his way with that team. He's been having a hard time staying on the court due to injuries. And, if, by the way, if you would have told me uh, in the last couple of weeks that we would have been opening up a show talking about the Utah Jazz, would have called you crazy. Um, so. <laughs> the thing is, the Jazz have been one of the best teams in the league post-All-Star break the last couple of seasons. But, you know, the deal with Mike, and, hey, I'm I'm friends with front office people in Utah. I was talking to them about Mike Conley before, long before they actually made the deal, long before they tried to do it, uh, before the trade deadline last year. Because you look at him, you look at his skill set, and you look at his, who he is as a person, which matters very much to the Utah Jazz. Perfect fit, hand in glove. But sometimes the thing that looks like a perfect fit, for whatever reason, they have looked a lot better with Conley not in the lineup when he was injured. Um, you know, the Jordan Clarkson acquisition we've talked about before was phenomenal. That worked out really well. They played their best basketball of the season for a long stretch of games. Uh, and then Mike comes back and you think, oh, this is the boost. This is their, you know, somebody's got to claim that second seed in the West. Everything's up for grabs. Utah's going to do it now. And they start losing games to teams they really shouldn't be losing to. They say yeah. they're going to bench Conley. Then, no, we're going to bench Ingles. I mean, I guess, and I don't blame them. Look, this is your guy. Mike Conley is your guy. You have to sit, let him start, and you're either going to – it's either going to right the ship or you're going down. <laughs> but that's your guy. You have to give him that opportunity to prove – I mean, I don't think he has anything to prove – but to show that he can be in Utah what he was in Memphis. And if he does, you're in great shape. And if he doesn't, you're screwed either way. So you may as well <laughs> put him in there and, and let him run it. Right now the Utah Jazz in a virtual tie with the Oklahoma City Thunder for the fifth seed. And both teams two back behind the Houston Rockets. And, you know, Bill, I've never, ever – claim to be a Utah Jazz fan. I don't think there's ever really been a point where I said I'm on that Jazz bandwagon to win a series of any sorts. You know, I look at that team, and by the way, Dallas is a half game back from them as as well. So yeah. I look I look at that Utah team and they have no no right really to be in a lot of these conversations as far as competing for championships and, you know, being a bona fide playoff team because you know what? They don't have, every single time they have a speck of talent, like they had Gordon Haywood, who everyone thought would be as crazy for leaving Utah because it's his team and blah, blah, blah. And the team was supposed to fall apart. Great coaching and that us versus them mentality has willed Utah to playoff spots over the last couple of years. And, you know, it's sooner or later that wears off. They're, you know, they're 20 and 9 at home, 16 and 13 on the road. They're averaging 110. 
about 111 points per game, only giving up about 108. So, you know, you're, you're plus three. And they've lost their last four. And they're four and six in the last ten. It feels like they're, they have not really returned back from the All-Star break. Rudy Gobert has not played well. He's, I, always, I always laugh when a team is struggling, as you'll see their star players or players make comments to the media about other players. Uh, the most recently was Rudy <laughs> Gobert making a comment, a comment about Russell Westbrook, who uh, saying how, how disrespectful he is. Usually if you're winning, you don't make those comments. When you're losing, you always have to point a finger. Do I yeah. think Utah is going to bounce back? I think that their coaching is too good for them to fall further down where they are. I think they'll right the ship. But if we're sitting there saying that this is going to be a second round, third round, you know, with a conference final team, I think we're kidding ourselves. Yeah, there's no way. And coming into the season, yes. I thought that was a very realistic expectation for them. Yes, I, I think a lot of people didn't. And we, I think we felt the same way about the Portland Trailblazers. And I think this is a good segue to talk about the eighth spot in the Western Conference. If you look at what's going on, you have one, two, three, four, five teams fighting for one playoff spot. Yep. You have Memphis, we have Memphis who's in the, the eighth spot. You have Portland, who's two and a half back. You have New Orleans, who's three back. Oh, hello. Look at this. Look who's here, the Sacramento Kings. They're three and a half games back, So as is the San Antonio Spurs. I think we can start putting the, the dirt in the grave for the San Antonio Spurs. It was an unbelievable oh, run. Sure. You know, I think, you know, you and I, you and I were discussing it last week. Popovich, I really do feel like he's on cruise control. I don't think he's got control of anything that's really going on with this, with this team. So I think he just sort of was like, uh, tune out, tune out, tune out, tune out, tune out, tune out. And that's where, and that's where he, and listen, there's nothing wrong with this team not making the playoffs. Maybe this is the time you have to start selling off your assets and really just rebuilding. You know, it doesn't hurt to rebuild. I know it's painful for the team to miss the playoffs for the first time in 20-something years, but but you have big contracts in DeMar DeRozan and uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, which you should move. We give those guys an opportunity to go play somewhere for a championship. And the real question is going to be, they'll not can Pop reload this team, but does Pop want to be here for a rebuild? That is the question. At this stage of his career – when he's been in the finals so many times, they've been the best team in the league for two decades. When you look at the overall uh, performance of every team over over the last 20 years, at San Antonio, there's not even a close second. Then do you still have that in you at, what is he, 70-something? Uh, now you're four or five years. Probably, when you look at their roster – uh, the big thing that was supposed to happen was DeJounte Murray was supposed to come back. What, everything was going to work now. That was their – when they didn't do much in the off season. they got Rudy Gay back. Oh, that's great. Isn't he 90? Um, not to disrespect Rudy. I like the guy a whole lot, and he was a great player in his prime, but that's not who he is anymore. So your big move was re-signing Rudy Gay – and just figuring that Murray was going to make everything happen. And that really is just not – I mean, we've got a full season to look at DeJounte Murray, and I'm sure they see something in him. I don't see it, I, you know, and I would never second-guess the Spurs. They've been right about everything for the last 20 years, but Murray is not it, at least 
he's not it with the rest of the group that's there now. So, yeah, I'm with you. Why they didn't move Aldridge or, you know, like they they just – that roster is such a mess that I don't – there's no quick fix to that. It's not like, oh, they just need to add – oh, if they could just get uh, Antonio Davis, ah, they're ready to go. I don't really think so. I You know, I don't – I just don't see a clear direction for them that isn't a total level the field and start over. Well, not only that, too, but there's got to be a reason why Marquise Morris, during the offseason, intended to sign with San Antonio and then decided to walk away and sign with the Knicks. Now, if you've heard me, yes, you actually heard yeah. me say that, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, let's, and let's talk about this name, because I don't know when the next time we're actually going to talk about him on the show. It's probably a name we haven't pulled up in a long time, maybe except when we talk about the Spurs and Pop uh, when we talk about their last couple of championships, but it's Patty Mills, and Patty, who seems to be the, one of the lone guys left on this team, who was here when it was a you know in a championship mode. You might be able to make a, a case for Marco Balnelli being on one of the championship teams as well. I'm looking up and down their roster. You have the, the Rosens leading them in scoring 22 eight a game, 18 eight, uh, 18 eight for Marcus Aldridge. Then you have Patty Mills at 11 points a game. Demont, uh, Dejounte Murray at 10. You know, I think that Pop, yeah, I think you're right. That Pop's going to have some decisions to make and whether he wants to be around full for rebuild. But San Antonio, I think, is pretty much, I think we can pour the, the dirt on the grave on this one. I think it's done. And I think the focus is now going to be, and I think you'll agree with me when I say this, I think the real story now in this race for the eight is going to be with the New Orleans Pelicans on whether Zion and the rest of this Pelican team can make that run. They have to jump over Portland and they have to jump over Memphis to get there. I still think, and I I don't know if you agree with me or not, if there's any team right now of these five teams to make a run to get to that eighth spot and to make noise, and a a team that the Lakers don't want to see in the first round of the playoffs, it's going to be the Portland Trailblazers. That's the team. When Lillard gets back, when when Lillard gets back, does can this team. Nurkic Nurkic is right around the corner. Like he's and Nurkic too. If Lillard and Nurkic come back, and they can, this team can get the chemistry and get there, they can go on a five-game win streak and knock Memphis right out because Memphis is so inconsistent. That, but that's the yeah. story of a young team. Well, and then you last have week, the, what were we talking about? Yeah, last week we said young teams. You get to the stretch run and they falter. And what have they done this week since we said that? Lost four games in a row. <laughs> yeah, and they yeah. had won six straight before that. So, and what's yeah, crazy here is we Sacramento, go. Has won, Sacramento has won three in a row, but they're so far behind. It's not even really making much oh, of yeah. a dent. But, it's, but the, the thing is, Portland gets a little back. They get Nurkic back. They go on a little bit of a run. That's a team that the Los Angeles Lakers does not want to see in the playoffs because, you know, we'll talk about the Lakers in a few minutes, but the Lakers struggle – when there's a excellent guard, when there's excellent guard play on the other side of the uh, on the other side of the court, and that's that's just the fact of the matter. But we'll talk about the Lakers in a minute. Uh, let's talk about the race for fifth, or maybe even the race for fourth. The, the remaining teams well, there yeah, in the bottom half of the West. That's everybody. Everybody so, from four to seven is in. Is it's so close? Uh, and Dallas with Porzingis and Luca both healthy. 
and they have found a groove together, which took a long time. Uh, Porzingis just seemed to fade in the background when Luca was healthy. But I think Luca sitting on the sideline watching Porzingis has figured out, as I sort of figured he would, he's figured out what he needs to do to make Porzingis successful. And the two of them have been devastating uh, together. So Dallas is a team I think is, has a real shot at, at rising uh, if they can keep those two guys healthy and not sit them well, like they did against Atlanta. Well, here's the scary thing, Bill. Dallas is sitting at seven is four and a half back from the two seed. Yeah. That, so you have Dallas, Utah, Oklahoma City, Houston, the Clippers, and the Nuggets all battling for the number two seed. And that yep. to me is crazy. I want you to picture this. The Thunder has won four in a row. You know, obviously the, the Rockets have won five in a row. And obviously the Thunder mm-hmm. would have to make a, a significant run here, and some teams were going to have to falter. But OKC ending up with home court in the playoffs this year, would that be the biggest shock <laughs> from all the preseason polls that we saw? That the Oklahoma City Thunder without Russell Westbrook, without Serge Ibaka, without Kevin Durant, without any of these guys who helped build this franchise up, having home court on what was supposed to be a rebuilding year and a temporary stop for Chris Paul until you had the opportunity to find him a new home at the All-Star break, now is competing for right. a home court advantage in the playoffs and possibly the two seed. Yeah, that's without question. That's the biggest uh, upset story of the year. Uh, because we were all waiting for them to sell off their assets. <laughs> Steven Adams, all the rumors were out there, right? Danilo Gallinari was going, Steven Adams was going, Chris Paul was going, except his contract. But you figure, well, all these pieces are going to be gone, and they've got 500 first-round draft picks over the next two years. So, uh, <laughs> But now, yeah, I mean, literally 500. <laughs> literally 500 draft picks. <laughs> Sometimes you kind of like with Utah, only the opposite direction. You you think you know what you have, and you think you know the direction you're going, and then something unexpected happens, and that's not the direction you're going. Uh, and the Thunder, hey, you know they can handle some of these teams in the West, and they've proven it. Uh, so who knows? Chris Paul has never won an NBA championship, and doesn't have a great deal of postseason success, and hasn't had it in the places he's been. So maybe this is <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's crazy, it's, but it's baffling. It's baffling. Maybe, it's like, maybe this is it. You because you, you look at this team and you're sitting there going, "How is this happening?" And and, and and by the way, kudos to Gallinari, who is showing everybody why he was such a big selection for the Knicks and why it was so important when when he was there and it was such a big deal when. George Carl was able to get him to Denver in that deal for Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. So yeah, he was and he uh, was great with the Clippers. He's he's been great. Yeah. Just he doesn't get talked about other than in trade rumors. And I guess that's because he just hasn't won. But Danilo Gallinari, he's a hell of a player. Yeah, he is. He, he absolutely is, and it's scary on what this team is doing. Uh, let's talk about another team in the Western Conference that you and I both sort of shake our head and they've, they've won five in a row and it's the Houston Rockets and they're trying to prove that the small ball mm-hmm. thing is going to work, which we both know is going to blow up in their face during the playoffs. <laughs> yep. you know, it's, you Unless know, they can catch with, the Lakers. <laughs> which I don't think That's they're going to. That's another team that... 
that's another team that could yeah. run it up on the Lakers with all their little backcourt play. But most of the teams in the West can match up with their guard play in a seven-game series. They'll solve that. Most of the teams that are going to make the playoffs. Not Denver, not the Lakers. But you see the Clippers, you see Portland, you see OKC. You, you know, you're going to see teams that and, – and Utah, I believe by the time the playoffs start, you see teams that will be able to counter that. It's, no, it's true. And then you look at you look at some of these other teams. Like we've always said the Lakers need need more guard play. And now you're looking at the Rockets and they're saying they need big bigs. They just seem yeah. you're like you're 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 the tallest guy out there, six six six, six seven. You're sitting there saying, Oh well if you, if you play I the Lakers <laughs> I saw a rumor that said uh and it, this was not from a you know, Twitter, you get the good, bad, and the ugly. And someone was making a case for DeMarcus Cousins in Houston. Now, granted, the Lakers have made it clear, though they – he's not on the roster. He is in their sort of long – he's not – they're not – he's not leaving. So but yeah. somebody was saying, boy, the Rockets really need the the leadership and maturity of DeMarcus Cousins. I was like, uh, wait a minute. Leader, <laughs> leadership? Maturity? DeMarcus Cousins? But that is the kind of move the Rockets, I wouldn't, had the Lakers not come out and said, and Frank Vogel came out and said, no, Cousins is not going anywhere. That is the kind of move that the Rockets would make where you go, oh, yeah. And it just, he gets so pissed off because he never gets the ball. That would be perfect for like the soap opera that the Rockets roster always seems to be, but not happening. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think you and I both feel that even if the Rockets end up with home court, they can be those. That's a team that most likely will be knocked out in round one. Yeah, I mean, hey, Russell Westbrook and Harden have been they're they're what averaging seventy five points a night between them, but Harden yeah. still, <laughs> and I will say this forever. You have to play both ends of the floor in the playoffs. You have to. You can win regular season games going out and dropping 40 points and shooting every time you touch the ball. But when the playoffs start, you can't just do that. You have to play both ends. I am not convinced you can win a championship when your star player doesn't play both ends of the floor. And I'm going to say that every time I'm asked about the Houston Rockets. And I say that as the Rocket guy. I want them to be good. They're just I just don't understand uh whole the whole mentality that goes around building a team around James Harden. But, you know, there you go. We're we're going to find out. <laughs> if there's a coach that can pull it off, it's Mike D'Antoni. I just don't think I No, I I that's you have, I think you have a better <laughs> you have a better chance of uh I think you have a better chance of Shaquille O'Neal coming out of retirement saying he wants to play in Houston than that, than that thing actually working. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. So, I, I think that, uh, I think too, you look around like the rest of the West, I, you know, Gary Aid from the NBA show, I, I'm trying to figure out if he's saying this because he's a Laker fan or if he, and he's in denial about this. He's a LeBron he's fan. This Anything, everything yeah. is LeBron with him. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I'm trying to figure out if he's really saying it because he means it or if it's just saying it because it's the Lakers colors coming out of him. I still feel that even with all the moves and all the, you know, the criticism that we give Kawhi Leonard and Paul George for this not working, I still think that this is the most complete team in the Western Conference and will probably knock out the Lakers in the conference finals, and that's the LA Clippers. I really do feel that because even when he does play, Kawhi Leonard, I don't think has I don't he think doesn't anyone have has a really been or anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he he you know he turned his head the wrong way, and he felt a little pull, so he's gonna be out for the next six games for load management. But he's yep. going to uh, <laughs> he's gonna be such a difference. But you know as much as I do, he will show up in the playoffs, and oh, yeah. he will make an impact. And I think the Clippers. Yeah. I think the Clippers are going to be able to knock the Lakers out of the the conference finals, and they're going to represent the Western Conference because with all the joking we make about Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and on how Doc is sort of just letting all this sort of just happen for right now, I think they do have the most talent and the most complete team in the Western Conference, and I do feel that they are a team that understands – everybody understands what their role is and what, they, what they're expected of. And Doc is sort of just riding that wave. I think if they can end and up in both the of their seats, star players play both sides of the court. Yes. Paul George is a very good defender. Kawhi Leonard may be the best defender in the league. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so when the off when and the Pat offense Beverly, falters, Pat Beverly is. Oh, Pat, uh, Patrick Beverly is as hard nosed a defender as you will find in the NBA at the point guard position. Uh, yeah, and then you've got Lou Williams, who's Mister Six Man of the Year. You're absolutely – hey, before the season started, I picked them to have the best record in the West and win the Western Conference. The only thing that has messed with that is you've had some inj- – I don't know. Paul George has been in and out of the roster. Has he really been injured, or are they doing the sand in the shoe thing? I don't know. Kawhi chooses not to play back-to-backs because, you know, he's like 28 and he can't handle that kind of activity. <laughs> 26 what is he <laughs> but all that stuff once the playoffs start there are no back-to-backs so pretty sure Kawhi will play most of those games <laughs> and they're gonna win that's that's it yeah and I think that until they see Giannis the now when Antetokounmpo comes in I think the Bucks are the team I, this whole season has been just so easy well, for the Bucks. They just go out and destroy teams. Uh, you know, I. That's but that's the that's the matchup I want to see. For me, the NBA Finals. I would love to see Antetokounmpo versus uh, Kawhi. That would be the ultimate. Like, okay, best player in each conference. Let's go. Yeah. Well, and that's me, Bucks that's have the, the depth. Thing, Bucks have the talent. It's. I think that would be that would be great to watch. And that to me is the funny part is if you look around the West and leave, well, I guess we'll finish out with the Lakers and like we were discussing. And of course, Gary fought me on this this comment. I still haven't felt like even after the All Star break, the Lakers have had that signature win yet. You know, will they beat the Celtics? And I'm like, the Celtics. That's not really they don't have a front court a signature. They don't have a front court. That's not and a it was a crazy win. call at the end of the game, too. They didn't beat them convincingly. They beat them on a, in a game where 
like at the last the last second there's a call that's like really you don't want us to think the NBA favors the Lakers and you let the refs make a call like that okay <laughs> uh, but yeah the Celtics don't have a front court and Kim- Kimbo was out for that game too so yeah so like before we call that a signature win let's let's call a spade a spade the Lakers have not had a signature win yet. They're beating up on the teams that they're supposed to be beating up on, and that's what good teams do. You're supposed to win those games. Yep. They might lose one right. every once in a blue moon, and that's just the way it is. But he, um, he, he has to understand, too, and everybody has to understand, this Lakers team is a very flawed team. This, if, if people are going into the uh, season thinking that the Lakers are going to win an NBA championship this year, even with them being the number one seed, they have no backward help. Danny Green is great on one side of the ball. He does not play both sides of the ball uh, particularly yep. well. Rajon Rondo, if, it was, if this was 2008, 2009, 2010, I'd be very excited about the fact of having Rajon Rondo on my team. That's not, yeah. not in 2020. <laughs> not in 2020. <laughs> um, Kuzma is still trying to figure out what exactly his role is on this team because he just doesn't know. Yeah, and he doesn't. That's what, I don't know what his role is it, either on that team. <laughs> yeah, nobody does. Nobody does. His role on the team was to be traded at the trade deadline for backcourt help, but they didn't let him fill that role. That was his role. This is the chip we're going to use to get backcourt help so we can play against the West. (laughs) Oh, they didn't do it. So now, hmm. And also how how the Lakers were able to let Reggie Jackson clear waivers and not – and it would end up in the Clippers uniform is beyond me because – isn't that exactly what the Lakers need with a guy like Reggie Jackson? That's exactly what they need. Uh-huh. You put Reggie Jackson, now I'm ready to say they can take on the Clippers. But wait, the Clippers got him. Oh. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so I just didn't understand that. So, I, to me, the Lakers, if they are in the wrong matchup in the first or second round, he's going to get knocked out. So, that's just, that's not an opinion. That's a fact. And, there's one team now, of it course, is. we still haven't talked about. The and the one team, the only other team we haven't talked about in the West that we can go back to last week's episode, which is available at BackSportsPage.com. We talked about the vulnerability of the Denver Nuggets. Every other team on the lower half of the playoff um, playoff pool here really wants to play Denver because Denver is the most vulnerable team. No superstar to close out a game. And an unlimited amount of secondary guard play. Uh, and oh, I had yeah. Paul Millsap. <laughs> Yeah, Paul. and Paul Millsap, who I do too. He's a great. I used to talk to him all the time when he was in Utah, when he was in his prime and amazing. And now it's like, oh, there's Paul Millsap still in the league, and he's a starter. But you still forget that he's in the league because he's at that point in his career where he's your veteran. He's the Jawan Howard, except you're starting him at power forward. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Denver. Yeah, yeah. If you could be the second seed in the West and be weak, it's Denver. It just is. And I hate to say that. I I like the Nuggets. I like uh, Jokic a lot. Um, Jamal Murray looks good at times. But you said it perfectly. They have an exceptional collection of second-tier guard talent. <laughs> what they don't have is – First tier guard. That's, that's it's sad too because last year they made they were like that little underdog, and probably should have been in the conference finals against the Warriors, but you know, 
owe that Damian Lillard. Uh, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> no doubt. And that's that Damian Lillard is what I think that's your X factor right there. He gets back. Nurkic gets back. You have huge front line capabilities, incredible backcourt play. I'm going to surprise somebody. Yeah, they can go on a good six or seven game win streak. They'll not, they'll not, not only knock out Memphis, but they may be able to take take around to try and knock on the door in seven seed. You know, I know yeah. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but but that they they get hot. That makes things very interesting. Mm-hmm. So, it but does. something something's not right there right now. And I, I, besides, especially besides with not Utah kind of Utah foundering, uh, we've seen Porzingis and and Doncic miss lots of games. One injury, Portland jumps in there uh, in the yep. seventh seed. I think they'll get the eighth yep. for sure. And I'll tell you, you put Denver and you put Denver at two and Portland at seven. I'll yeah, tell you that's out. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's four now. <laughs> oh man, let's let's, let's yeah. shift gears over to the Eastern Conference. And before and before we jump into the playoff teams, I want to talk about the teams uh, who decided not to uh, <laughs> decided not to get these They signed what is uh, it called? The contract of non non competing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the NBA teams who have a non compete clause for the 2019-2020 season. <laughs> And uh, we'll start with the Cleveland Cavaliers, who, who acquired in what was the dumbest move of the trade deadline, found a way to, <laughs> to get Andre Drummond. Uh, and I think, and I think you can agree with me. The point of trying to get Andre Drummond was because they were trying to work with the Houston Rockets on get uh, sending Tristan Thompson over to them, and that yeah. sort of fell apart. So, so now you're Cleveland and you're stuck with Andre Drummond. You're stuck with Kevin Love. And you're stuck with Tristan Thompson, and you're sitting there, and then your coach quits on you during the All Star break. Says, "I'm not doing this. <laughs> this is this is this is buffoonery. This is buffoonery." <laughs> like, man, you guys are a mess. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and, and the best part is, and the best part is, you have a, you get a phone call uh, saying from J.R. Smith, "Listen, door's always open. If you need me, I'm here." <laughs> right. And the crazy thing is now they're winning. Like Drummond has helped them. They've won a couple of games at a time where really you don't want to win games. Like you finally are at a point where you just don't want to win games. You're tied for the last seed in the East. And now you've accidentally made a move and you're winning games. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and the thing is you're doing it by accident, whereas the New York Knicks are doing it on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, because like, and now they're going to hire a player fun. agent as their fr- to run the team. <laughs> oh, well, because it, okay. they felt they felt it work with the Lakers because that's why they did it. They're they're, think, they're, look, they're looking at the Laker model and so they're saying, well, well, Bob Lenka can do it. This is what about the Phoenix model? <laughs> How many? Okay, it works once. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Well. You know, we'll see. It, it, that, it certainly can't be any worse. They they can't. It can't be any worse. The direction of the team can't be any worse. Well, hey, here's go the, here's for the it. thing though. Well, here's the thing though. First off, they fully haven't even introdu- introduced him yet because the deal's not even close to done, from what I'm understanding. Two. Oh, okay. So it's not two. Here's the worst part about it. You have 
and I think you understand this too. Like I know you want, well, I know you understand it, but I think what people don't understand is the New York, the New York Knicks fan base can't understand why players don't want to come here. They don't want to come here because they have a meddling owner who meddles in absolutely everything. He, you have a fan base and a, and a team that can't get past their own history. Yes, the Knicks won two championships back in the 70s. You realize that was close to yeah. <laughs> how you know what is wrong with these people, and you know you, the new like I joke around being from New York. I'm saying the only reason why New York gets some of these very talented players is because they have to overpay them because the media is terrible up here because they rip everybody apart and they scrutinize every yeah. little thing you do. That's why Mark Sanchez bolted from the Jets. Um, you know we you know you have. You have, and like I said, the owner who meddles, and you have no structure. You have no culture here. Kevin Durant comes out and says, I, I didn't choose the Knicks because, you know, you talk to everybody in the league, nobody wants to play there. Brooklyn's the upbeat. Brooklyn, has, you know, they see where the future, they see that they have something that they're trying to build, whereas the Knicks are just like, we just want to win a championship. I can't wait to see Denwoody playing with KD. Yeah, I think that's going to be exciting. Yeah, and I don't know what they're going to do with Kyrie. Nobody wants to see Kyrie play anymore, but but Dinwiddie, I like watching that kid play. And and you also get very fired up by watching uh, Levert, and you get fired up by watching uh, Jared Allen. You get you really look at these that Nets Mm -hmm. team. Obviously, we're jumping around a little bit, but you look at that Nets team. They're they're set to play. They're 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 ready to make the moves. They're KD away from. Competing. I mean, I guess they're going to make the playoffs anyway because of all the non-compete clauses. But, uh, but they're <laughs> set to be a home court advantage team next year if KD is healthy and Kyrie's hurt. No, they're they're changing the landscape of the Eastern Conference next year. Even if Kyrie comes out and plays sixty games next year, they are changing. The That'll hurt them. Cult- I, I think they're better with Kyrie hurt. Honestly, I but, agree with you one hundred ten percent. I. But you also know if you're Brooklyn, you don't you don't get Kevin Durant unless you bring in Kevin unless you bring in Kyrie Irving. Yeah. And and as far as their counterparts on the other side of the city, when Durant comes out and says players around the league don't want to go there because of the meddling owner and the way the culture of the, that franchise is, you think maybe yeah. the owner should stop meddling around, hire some good basketball people because there are some good basketball minds out there, sure. and let them do their job. Yep, that's the hardest thing for an owner to do. Even Rick, even uh, Mark Cuban had to figure that out, that uh, once Dirk started to decline, nobody re- the culture in Dallas wasn't guys wanting to come here. They were having to sign everybody that was left in free agency. Yeah. But then you get Luka Doncic, then you get Porzingis. You've allowed four or five guys that you drafted over the last few years to stay. You're building the team. You've changed the culture. You have the star player from the draft. Boom. That's how it works. The the Knicks have, (laughs) they've tried every shortcut you could possibly try. They've tried big names, Phil Jackson, you know, they've done everything except do it the right way. They're going to have to do it the right way. Eventually, they're going to have to. It's just how many more years of, you know, 
not making the playoffs in a conference where teams that don't want to make the playoffs make the playoffs, how many more years are you going to do that before you finally go, oh, yeah, the way every team has been built with the exception of wherever LeBron plays every year, every other team has to rebuild, you know, through the draft and and certain moves. And the Knicks are in denial, and they're going to suck until until they get over denial. And, and not only that, too, but I also want to throw a scary thought out there. When Michael Jordan stepped away back in 1998 after the Bulls won their second three-peat, you knew who the future of that league was with Kobe Bryant, Allen Iverson. Obviously, you know, you were, you were a year away from a draft where Vince Carter, Paul Pierce, and that crew came in. But you had hope of who the future star. Yeah, you knew who the, the future stars of the league were. If LeBron decided to retire tomorrow, I don't know who the face of the league is. Does Steph Curry. Durant. Steph Curry. He's on the West Coast. He's on the West Coast. And that was the same issue that everybody, that everybody had with Kobe Bryant. I'm, I'm looking at it from a majority of your audience is an Eastern Conference audience who's able to watch those games. Even if you're on the West Coast, you're able to watch the big-name stars. Yeah, that's true. At an earlier t- So okay. you're looking at Giannis. Giannis Antetokounmpo, but he's in Milwaukee, which even though they're the best team in the league, yeah, the Bucks don't have that that cachet. Yeah, the league really needs that player to be in <laughs> in New York, but, or maybe Brooklyn, yeah, or, or Philly, or Boston, or uh, or, or Chicago. Look, Jordan, all yeah, or, or Chicago, yeah. Yeah, Chicago, you know, or sure. even in Texas, or you can even put him down in Texas or, or 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 Miami. But when you put him out on the West Coast, your East Coast audience, half half of them, which you know you want to gear towards the younger kids, so the younger kids can grow up watching him. When he's on the West Coast, mm-hmm. kids in bed by nine thirty, ten o'clock, ten thirty at night. But when that when that when that ball that ball is thrown in the air, so can Luca be that guy? Luca's the second best player in the league. I understand that, but I, I, they won't. It, it can't happen. You know why? Because the NBA dollars, look, as, as great as Dirk Nowitzki and even Tim Duncan to a point, as great as those players were, the NBA would not put their marketing dollar on an international player. They won't be Duncan. You couldn't because he refused to talk to the media, and you can't yeah. have a your your marquee guy can't be. Someone who refuses to talk to the media. <laughs> no, you can't. Uh, Dirk was amazing. I loved uh, Dirk was fantastic. Uh, but the greatness of Dirk was always when the camera was off. He was not great when the camera came on. He went into, well, obviously we play hard, and obviously we went made the big play at the end, and obviously Jet made the three, and obviously. But when the camera went off, you got incredible personalities <laughs> like. Dirk was a totally different human being when the cameras were off. You, the camera comes on, boom, he goes into boring, cliche mode. So I could see, yeah, I don't know, Trey Young, if the Hawks had three more good players. Oh, that's all? <laughs> Maybe four. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I mean, Trey, you talk about stats, Trey Young is, is filling it up and I haven't, of course, I haven't spoken to him personally because he just came in the league uh, last year. But um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who that who they'd hang their hat. I mean, I Antetokounmpo, yeah, foreign player. A lot of people can't say his name, but my God, you talk about just a, an electrifying player to watch. Yeah, and look, yeah. they're not going to do it in Boston with. Yeah, they're not going to do it in Boston with Tatum and Kemba and all those Jason guys. Tatum, because, yeah, yeah, it's not there. So, like I said, LeBron steps away tomorrow. This league is this league is going to have an identity crisis. Somebody would so, rise up. Somebody would rise up. Someone will rise up. It's going to take um, at least two to three years, though. Yeah. At least two to three years. So, uh, the rest of the Eastern Conference, Bill, like we like we talked about the Nets a little bit. The Nets are the Nets in Orlando are in by default, I guess, because Detroit, Cleveland, mm-hmm. New York, Atlanta. Uh, trying to think of um, trying to think if there's any other teams that's oh, and Charlotte took decided to take the year off. Uh, a lot of teams became <laughs> Charlotte's taking players. a decade off. I don't know out. if there are any Hornets fans left, but I, I feel bad for them because I used to do a lot of games Come in on, Charlotte. It's a nice arena, but <laughs> Come on, don't you you're want to in come a city out that is used to... Yeah. <laughs> uh, Michael, that's another one. Michael Jordan's a nice name to have on the letterhead, but somebody else needs to be making decisions around that team. Yeah, because the decisions, you know, I, I, I had said when I was watching the Kobe Memorial service that it was actually nice to see Michael step back into the limelight a little bit because he's there's, yes, yes, he's running that Hornets team, and yes, Mitch Mitch Kupchak is there, and I understand you have to tear down the house to re, to to build a new one, but Michael's got to come up and say something every once in a while. So just to see him on a microphone again was 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 almost like a breath of fresh air, even though there was you know obviously the topic was a little bit more sad than what we wanted to be. Being able to hear him talk yeah. and address people, Michael needs to do that a little bit more with the role that he is in, and he just. You know he doesn't want to take the abuse, and I and I get it. But you have to own up and say this is what this is what we did to the franchise. We're tearing down the house right now to rebuild it. You know, buying out Marvin Williams. You know, letting Kemba walk yeah, away. Yeah. You know, Kid Grokin. You know, signs over with Dallas after they after they they cut him. I understand you had to make these moves because you have to rebuild it. You want to get you want to just move move forward. But you have to own up and and take it. Yes, yeah, I should say I'm coming yep. out and rebuilding. And he hasn't. And so that's to me is the biggest problem with Charlotte. Until the owners and James Dolan's the same way. Until you admit that you're a bad team and we have to rebuild, you can't just say we're gonna try and go for a quick fix. If the Knicks would have gotten Irving and Durant, that would have been a a quick a quick fix which still wouldn't have worked. The Knicks gambled last yeah. year by making the deals. They don't have the risk. They gambled the, the rest of the roster doesn't make sense for that. Yeah. That that team gambled last year by trading for Zingas and making the moves that they did. They they gambled and they lost because they thought they were going to get yep. the number one pick in Zion. That didn't that that <laughs> failed. They thought they thought they were going to win in free agency. That failed. And then the Knicks fans' worst fear came to fruition by signing all these guys and just becoming a dumpster fire. <laughs> and every available power forward in the league, <laughs> every available power forward in the league went to New York, and then every away team fan base that lives in New York has premium tickets because they're on StubHub for pennies to the dollar. 
which is shameful <laughs> because New York, when the Knicks are good, there's no more of an electric arena than Madison Square Garden. Problem is, it's been so yep. long since we've had it. Yep. And you want to hear it even? A so I don't know. Stat, the East Bill? is. What's that? I was about, sorry about that. The, a scarier stat, if you're a Knicks fan, is since 2000, you've only been in the playoffs three seasons. Yeah. And the scarier thought is you've only had one, one playoff series, whereas your cross-city rival since 2000 when they were in New Jersey or when they were in Brooklyn, whichever one you wanted to call them, have had 17 – Playoff runs, including two finals appearance. Yep, I was actually That's looking at their advanced stats this morning. One of our writers is doing a piece about Babby joining the, or uh, you know, they're changing front office management. And I was like, you got to really dig into this. The Knicks have suffered a lot. Look at the look at the '80s and '90s, and look at the last two decades. This is a <laughs> You said dumpster fire. That's a pretty good description of what's going on. Uh, and if you don't point that out, you're not telling the story. Because yeah. this is a team that was one of the East's elite for a long time. Well, if you have good general managers and you have good presidents of basketball operations who put the right people in places, and I think the perfect example, I, I know you, everyone hates when I do this because I had such a close relationship with the team, but you take a guy like Rod Thorne, who's an absolute basketball genius, and you put and the same thing with Jerry West. Those two guys have done it. And so when you have the opportunity to put those guys in the front office and put people in positions to do their job, they took a 26-win team that was over the last four years and then makes a deal for Jason Kidd. And that team goes to the finals and makes the playoffs for six straight years and then made a decision right to make to trade Jason Kidd and understand – they were going to have to sit through a 12 and 70 season, and they were in the thick of all the free agency talks with LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. They were right there up until the final day. And right when Rod Thorne left the Nets, the amount of assets that he accumulated between draft picks and cap space and everything he was able to do set them up. And then they put Billy King in there, and then Billy King was like, "Ooh, look at all these toys I can trade." Yeah, you know, yeah, but like, how many guys past their prime can we get on the roster that look cool because their names are cool, but they're done? Yeah, yeah, but that was what the Knicks. That's what the Knicks were doing. Did you? I don't know. Did you hear the story about the Knicks when LeBron was here? He did the, the decision. What happened with the Knicks and LeBron up until the final days, where? Uh, Donnie Walsh admitted that he hadn't heard from LeBron's camp since the initial meeting, and they sent Isaiah Thomas over there because Isaiah and LeBron got along, and they he tried to, to will them against the Knicks, and LeBron threw him out of the house within 10 minutes. And it was like <laughs> it was such a crazy time. Whereas you know Bobby Marks, who's was was the assistant GM for the Nets, said that his that LeBron's camp was in constant contact with them up until I think the day before the decision. Huh. And it was Pat Riley who just said to them in the meeting saying, do you like these rings? You come to Miami, you're going to get them. And that was the, the game changer for, for LeBron for the decision. But the Nets were, the Nets were there into the, into the final days. So hmm. pretty crazy. 
if you think about that, mm-hmm. when you have good management, what, what good management could do. Um, the rest of the Eastern Conference, Bill, you just look at it. You know, Philadelphia is struggling with exactly what you and I said was going to struggle with, with, with guard play, lack of guard play. Yep. Boston has lock of front court Miami. play. Yep. Miami's coming down to earth like Miami's you and I just struggling. discussed. You know the uh, the fans in Minnesota loved watching them beat Jimmy Butler and the, <laughs> you know. Oh God, yeah. You can't lose those games. You can't. You can't no. lose those games. You can't lose and those games if you're my. Yeah, if you're Miami, you're you're. Did you see the play where? Did you see the play where Kyle Lowry, who I I love Kyle, personally, and he's having a great career now that he's come into his own but playing against Milwaukee <laughs> he tried to dive between George Hill's legs like that is one of the this was what yesterday the day before that's one of the craziest things I've seen this season that a point guard is trying to dive between the legs of another point guard we're not talking about Porzingis was on him <laughs> we're talking about a six three guy trying to dive through the legs of another six three guy. I and George Hill standing there like, what is he doing? Of course, offensive foul. But uh really? And then the Raptors fans want to blame the refs for them losing to Milwaukee. I'm like, y'all just gotta figure this out. Milwaukee is the best team in the league. Uh and certainly playing in the East helps because you only have two or three teams that even have the personnel to possibly compete with you and you take them out convincingly. Yeah. So uh, the yeah. East is, and I mean, if the, the Bucks don't get in the finals, if, if they lose more than two games on their way to the finals, I'll be surprised. I think it's going to be Milwaukee and Toronto in the conference finals this year with a different result, obviously from last. Yeah, me too. Because the Bucks learn from that. You learn from those big losses. You grow from it. You evolve as a team, and they did. Even with Brogdon leaving, no sweat. Everybody has stepped up this year. They look, they look incredible. There's, there's no denying. There's no denying that I think that Milwaukee. I think it's going to be the Milwaukee Bucks and the Los Angeles Clippers. And if I would have told you that ten years ago, you probably would have laughed at me. The Milwaukee and the Los Angeles Clippers <laughs> in the NBA Finals this year. Hey, hey, Bill, let me ask a quick question here for you. Um, you know, we pretty much broke down the whole entire league. If you had to, the ones say, that matter. Yeah, yeah the, the ones that matter. If if I had to, if I had asked you to go into uh, into the future, and I say for you, for two three years from now, who do you th- who's set up pretty well for the future right now, and who's pretty much SOL because of the, of the moves that they're making right now. I think two to three years from now, we're talking about a couple more championships for the Golden State Warriors. Because obviously they're going to have, a, they've got a great shot at the top pick in the draft. You're going to have Clay back and healthy. Steph is coming back soon. Steph Curry. Uh, you've got uh, Wiggins in a perfect situation for him in the Andrew, in the uh, Harrison Barnes role where he can score. If you set him up, he'll score. If you don't, it doesn't matter. If he's having one of those games where, where the hell is Andrew Wiggins? 
doesn't matter. And all of their guys, all their young guys, have played starter minutes all year. So you've got a team where your young guys are experienced with starting and handling a big load, just not winning most of the time. You have two probably Hall of Fame players in your backcourt. You have a very good player at times in Andrew Wiggins. He's a good he's a very good player. He's just not a star player. And you're going to get a high a lottery a high lottery pick. And Clay and Steph are young. Wiggins is young. If the Warriors I expect the Warriors to be in the finals two or three years from now, they're gonna be in the finals two more times. I also believe that they're going to be back into the vengeance next year. They're, I think they're going to let the league, everybody in the league, enjoy themselves and beating them up this year. And then next season, it's going to be. I think they're, I think they're going to open the season with a 12-game win streak. I think that's going to happen next year. With, with it's going to be an explosion game. in Oakland. I agree. They're going to burst out of the, <laughs> all the energy that's been pent up this year with the injury. I, I think there's going to be a very loud boom in in uh, Oakland. I agree, and then on the Eastern Conference side, I think that I think that the Milwaukee Bucks are cashing in all their chips right now, and I think two, three years from now, I think Giannis is going to stay. I think he seems like he's a loyal kid. I think he's probably not yep. going to get get you know mesmerized by all the nonsense with all the money and everything else stuff that's out there. But I also do think that it's a, I think that there's some other teams on the rise. I look, I don't look at I don't look at the Celtics. I I see the Celtics of a team of inter- interchangeable players. Same thing with Miami. Uh, same thing with Indiana. I think right now, Indiana, just for some reason, that they're just not the same team they were over the last couple of years. Same thing with Philadelphia. I just, I think that Milwaukee, I, I, is the, the West is a lot more easy to predict three years from now than the Eastern Conference. The other team I like two or three years from now, Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> Damian Lillard is still yep. very much entering his prime. McCollum has has found his home, and Nurkic is not. Hope you know. Hopefully, you don't lose a key player for a year, uh, but he'll be back stronger, better. Great front court play, great back court play. Portland is another team that could be in the Western. It could be Golden State, Portland. I could see that two, three years from now, Golden State, Portland wouldn't surprise me at all. Bill, let everybody know where they can find you as far as Twitter and uh, and your work. I am at the Rocket Guy on Twitter. Um, you can find me at IshmaelsLegacy.org is my blog. I don't blog about sports. If I write about sports, I write about sports at BackSportsPage.com. Uh, and of course, you can hear our blog every week on BackSportsPage.com as well. I'm at Randy BSB Instagram and Twitter, uh, backsportspage.com. Hey, Bill, let's do this again uh, seven days from now. Sounds like a good idea. All right, we'll see everybody then. Thanks for tuning in to our Hardwood Huddle. Thanks, guys.